Amen. Sure is good to be here this morning. And again, I appreciate this church. Um, we support uh, Brother George and his ministry. And uh, we thank God for him. And we do that because we trust this church. And we trust these men that you are training and sending into all the world to preach the gospel. We are a results-oriented society. Do you know that? Um, everyone is taught if it doesn't work, don't do it. If there's no results, then stop and try it some other way. That's one reason why so many uh, churches have left truth and they've left the right way. That's why there are so many um, liberal churches out there that we would call liberal because they do not follow uh, biblical uh, directions that we see in the Word of God because they think that the way we've been doing it is not having results. I've heard preachers, I spend a lot of time, especially I love talking to older preachers. I won't point out any, uh, but Brother Humphrey, wait, I wasn't going to do that. But I love Brother Humphrey. I thank God for him and his ministry and the years he has labored for the Lord. And I learn a lot from these men. I love listening to them. But uh, sometimes I get around men that lament. They're like, well, we ought to see more have, uh, that's taken place. We ought to see more that has been happened or done because of the work. We've labored so much and we've done so much. And, and many men, they seem to think it's just, I don't understand it. I'm shocked that everybody in America is not saved already. What well, did we really think that was going to happen? Did we really think that all of America, or at least portions, were just going to be like, oh, this is a wonderful thing, and God's good, He's real, and just follow the things of God and everything? No, let me show you something, very, a very good truth in the Bible, and this is intended this morning to encourage you, amen? I have challenged you all week, and some of you, I've made you angry. I could see it on your faces. Amen. And uh, yeah. So now we're going to encourage you. Amen. So everybody's like, woohoo. Uh, the Bible says, preach word, be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. So two out of three are negative. Reproving and rebuking. Nobody likes that. So we get some exhortation. Aren't you happy? Amen. You ought to be able to say amen about that. All right, if I don't see smiles, we're going back to rebuking. All right, just kidding. I'm just joking. Amen. 2 Timothy in chapter number 3. I love the what we would call pastoral epistles. I read them regularly, frequently, because I'm a pastor, number one. And number two, every time I read them, I learn something else. Uh, the Bible is rich, and uh, it is fresh every time I go to it. And the Bible, the, especially these pastoral epistles, and then all the Pauline epistles uh, teach us, and the general epistles teach us so much um, about the church and, and what we ought to be doing in our life today. And so 2 Timothy chapter 3, can I ask you to stand with me if you're able this morning as we read uh, these few verses in verse 13 through 17. The Bible says... But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. 
But continue thou in the things which thou hast heard and hast seen, or I'm sorry, hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Father, I pray you'd help us this morning. Help me, help my mind to be clear and uh, to be able to say the things, Lord, that you would bring to heart and mind that would be a blessing and a help to your people this morning. God, may we all have a heart and attitude ready to eat. May we slide up to the table today and, and uh, fill our, whole, our souls with the wholesome uh, goodness of your word. And Lord, may we be enriched, strengthened, and leave here today being able to say that was good. We ask you, Lord, because what we are and what we do or say is not worthy, but what you are and what you do and say is. Help us now, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. We are very results-focused, and yet God's Word has prophesied something very clear. Now, I'm not trying to say uh, I'm not a prophet of doom. I'm not saying things are hopeless. But what is going on in our society and what we see today should not be a surprise to us. Um, God has told us this is going to happen. And we see here this warning, and if you backed up a little bit, uh, in verse number 12, he said, uh, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Now, I said I'm going to try to encourage you this morning. Are you encouraged yet? You're going to suffer persecution, and evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse. But one thing that encourages me through this passage is looking around and saying, God's methods are not failing. God's word has predicted and prophesied we are going to see the time that we're living in. It does not mean that we have for some way messed up or have missed the, the truth. That's not what it means. We are to continue in the ways that God has given us to go, in His Word, and not, not vary, not weave or bob from one side to the other, fluctuate. I, I one time heard a preacher, we were uh, having a missions conference, I had the missionaries up in the front, and I had people that wanted to ask questions, and one of them asked about advice, what kind of advice are you given by different pastors and preachers and how do you go about implementing advice? He said, I receive tons of advice. A lot of it is not uh, solicited. But he said, if I took every piece of advice and implemented it, I would be in a constant state of flux. Uh, my ministry would never advance because in a lot of cases, the advice I'm given by two good men who have good intentions and are probably speaking the truth, depending on a circumstance, contradict one another. And so you can't take both of those pieces of advice. And so we're going to see in our world 
that things are going to go a certain way and all we can do is keep doing what God has told us to do. Look what he says here after verses 12 and 13 where he says evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse. We see that today, do we not? They will deceive and being deceived. But he says, but continue thou. And so I want to preach on that thought this morning, continue thou. Do not come up with a mindset that we need to change something because it's not producing the results I want. We've already seen in Sunday school where he says in due, uh, in due season you'll reap if you faint not. I, I preached one time my wife made comment about out of Proverbs 31 where it talks about the virtuous woman uh, that she would um, rejoice in due time. You're not always going to rejoice. You're not always going to have a good day. Amen. You're not always going to see the results you want to see. We rejoice when there are good results, but we ought to rejoice anyway. Because what we're doing is God's work. And whether we see the results or not, we are to continue in obedience. We do not work for results. We work for obedience. We work because God has said, do the work. God has said, do the work this way. And that is why we do it. We are not free to go out and look at all of the different methods and ways and see which works the best. We are not free to say, it doesn't look like the church is working to me uh, because we don't see everybody in America saved yet. We still see America going worse and worse. Is America more corrupt and immoral today than it was 50 years ago? A resounding yes. Is it as corrupt as it's ever going to be? A resounding no. It is going to get worse. And so as it gets worse, when you turn on your TV, which I do not recommend, or you look on Yahoo or Google or whatever you, wherever you get news, and you see the bad things going on, you see all the evil, you see the wrong people in leadership, you see wickedness around us, let us not panic, amen? Let us not say, wow, we've got to change something or we're going to lose this thing. It is not ours to win or lose. It's already been won. It is ours to obey. We are just to do what God has called us to do. I want us to see a few things in these verses this morning that I think would be an encouragement and a help to the church. And perhaps this morning you're on the verge of wanting to quit. Maybe you are frustrated at how bad things are. And maybe this can help you. I don't want to preach that we ought to just be content with bad results. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we ought to be content with being obedient to God. Not worrying about the results. In Spanish, we had a song in Mexico we would sing, Sembraré la simiente preciosa, which is sowing the precious seed. And one line of that in the chorus says, uh, we sow the seed and leave the results up to God. But what we've done in many churches is we've gotten off the right way because we're not leaving the results up to God. We somehow feel like the results are up to us and we're not doing it right. Now, there may be a little bit of some things in there that we're not doing right. Maybe we're not praying right. We're not praying enough. Perhaps. 
Maybe we're not going out enough. Maybe we're not encouraging the preacher, encouraging the church enough. Maybe we're not behind things the way we ought to be. Maybe we're this, that, or the other. Those things I understand we ought to do better at that. But in, in all, the process that we are doing as churches, as Baptist churches, is biblical and correct. And our mandate is continue. Just keep doing it. Amen. No matter how much we think it is or isn't accomplishing, we just keep doing it. God rewards faithfulness. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. That's the easiest thing you can be is faithful. You might not be able to be fabulous, but you can be faithful. Amen. You, you might not be able to do uh, things that other people can do, but you can be faithful. Everybody, no matter your skill level, no matter who you are, everybody can be faithful. All you kids out there, I don't know what age groups we have here, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 12, you can be faithful. Did you know that? Many times kids think, well, I'm just a kid, I can't do anything. Yes, you can. You can be faithful. You can be obedient. You can keep doing what you're supposed to do. So I see in this passage, I just want to give us five things that we can see here in the passage we read this morning. Number one, uh, I see number one, an alert. In verse number 13, uh, he says, evil will get worse as time goes on. Even in the church, by the way, we are going to see more evil. Who would have known that churches and pastors would be dealing with the kinds of things we are dealing with. Go with me to 2 Peter, if you would, in chapter 2. And uh, we're going to look at some things here. We, we should go through the whole chapter, but we don't have time for that uh, this morning. But um, I became pastor in uh, 2011. And uh, before that, I was a missionary uh, for about 11 or 12 years. But one thing that I've seen is that we are dealing with things in our church that the pastor before me never had to deal with. We have had to put church members. I'm not talking about people that we didn't know that just came. I'm talking about church members who were, grown, who were raised on a church pew. We've had to put them on church discipline for different things such as homosexuality. And you're like, oh, how can that be? Something must be wrong. Well, yeah, it's been wrong since the Garden of Eden. We have been progressively getting worse. I got some news for you. It is not our job to usher in the kingdom. When Jesus Christ returns to this earth, he's going to do that. Our job is to save as many as we can on our way to that point. That's our job. But even in churches, we see evil men and seducers waxing worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived, and that has made the job of your pastors a lot more difficult. Because they've got to be watching out for things. There are wolves among churches. Look at, look at what it says here in 2 Peter 2 and verse 10. But chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government. Government is authority, a rule. They don't like anybody telling them what to do. Presumptuous they are they, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. Dignities are again authorities, leaders, rulers. 
Whereas angels, which are greater in power and might, bring not railing accusation against them before the Lord. So even the angels won't even speak evil against the evil. Because that's not their place. But these, as natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed, speak evil of the things that they understand not, and shall utterly perish in their own corruption, and shall receive the reward of unrighteousness, as they that count it pleasure to riot in the daytime. Spots they are and blemishes. Normally Peter's a pretty easygoing guy. Yeah? Have you noticed? And then all of a sudden he's like, they're like deranged dogs that need to be shot. Now, he didn't say, let's shoot some church members. That's not what he said. What he's saying is, they're going to be there, let God deal with them. Now, sometimes it is the job of the church to work discipline, to do the job of discipline, removing members, doing what they have to do, to have the pure church that we can. But what he's saying is, there are going to be people among you that are not what they ought to be, and maybe not what you thought they were. But don't let that discourage you and make you want to leave the church. Don't let that discourage you and make you want to leave the things of God. Don't let that discourage you and think this is a failure and a mess. God's program cannot be a failure. Did you know that? We believe in what is called the perpetuity of the local church. He said that it will continue without end until the Lord returns. Now, we're not perfect. We know that, but God didn't say be perfect. He said, just continue. You do what you're supposed to do. There will be things in the church that are not right. He goes on here and says in verse number uh, 14, having eyes full of adultery that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls of the heart they have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children. They're children. They're people in the church which have forsaken the right way and are going astray, following the boy of Balaam, the son of Boser, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but was rebuked for his iniquity, the dumb ass speaking with a man's voice, forbidding the madness of the prophet. These are wells without water, clouds that are carried with a tempest, to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that were clean escaped from them who lived in error." While they promised them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For of a man, for of whom a man is overcome, of the same is he brought into bondage. So even in the church, be careful. Some uh, person that you may look up to and respect comes and starts contradicting the words of the preacher and, and contradicting the Bible and, and saying, well, the Bible's this. It wasn't translated. Listen, there's some watchwords and alerts that ought to go off in your head when anybody questions the word of God. Don't listen to that. I, I tell our people, especially our men, I said, I need you guys to be bulldogs. I need you to come let me know when you see. Because, Pastor, listen, a wolf isn't going to come up to the pastor and say, just so you know, Pastor, I'm here. And he pulled back his little sheep face. I'm really a wolf. I just want you to know that. That ain't going to happen. The one person they cannot show their real self to is the preacher. Amen. So it's a blessing when someone comes up and says, Pastor, I just think you ought to know. I haven't told anybody else. I'm not talking around it to the church, but this is something that was talked about. I heard and I thought you ought to know about it. Well, that's a blessing. Watchdogs. There's a wolf somewhere. So listen, there will be things going on even in the church that are going to, to uh, confuse us and cause us to be uh, concerned uh, 
The temptation to sin will get worse as time goes on, will it not? Uh, all of this, the, uh, the, the technology that has been created, it, it's, I wish it had never happened, honestly. I wish internet had never been invented. Well, I thought I might wait a minute and see what happened there, but yeah. I, Al Gore shouldn't have never invented that thing. I'm telling you right now, I should have never. Anyway, I think he did you know, claim that he did it, so it wouldn't surprise me much because it's all wickedness. But anyway, I wish that had never been invented. I wish the satellite technologies and all the communication and things. I, I've got a message I preached to our church about the Tower of Babel. And the thing that the Lord looked down, he said, they're all one mind. There's nothing that'll be stopped from them. They are, they're ahead of what they need to be right now. And I've got to stop them because my plan has not yet developed. And I am not ready to be offered for the sacrifice for man. And so he had to come down and confound their languages and spread the people. We're back at that same place today. You know, there's an app you can put on your phone. You can go to Germany or Japan or wherever you want and speak into it and it'll immediately translate that. It's incredible. You can go anywhere today and communicate with anybody. All of my Spanish-speaking friends on Facebook or on email or whatever, they'll send me a text or a message. My phone automatically translates it and says, rate this translation. I always want to rate, that's better than I could have done. Right? It's amazing there is nothing else blocking man and its imagination to whatever it wants to do. You say, well, preacher, what are we going to do? Well, don't pull your hair out. You can rejoice in this. God's words turning out to be true. He said it was going to happen. So you and I ought to be like, yep, there it is. Hallelujah. He said it would wax worse and worse. And look, here we are. Temptation to sin is getting worse as time goes on. Truth will become harder to discern as time goes on. Someone once said, discernment isn't knowing the difference between right and wrong. Discernment is knowing the difference between right and almost right. That's discernment. But the power of discernment is getting worse as time goes on. Listen, you know, moms and dads, one of the best things you can treat your, teach your children is discernment. Teach them how to exercise discernment. Uh, give them small opportunities to exercise judgment on matters and see whether they should or should not uh, be involved or do certain things. And so discernment will be harder. Truth will be harder. They will not be able to discern. They will not accept it. The Bible says that they will heap to themselves teachers. The, the Internet is full of teachers. I had a guy one time in our church, he came to me three times with three different doctrines that he came to me and decided he was different on. The first one, he said he believed in a post-trib rapture. I said, well, you're wrong. I'm not going to debate it with him. I can show him in Scripture where he's wrong, but he wasn't interested in that. He wanted to debate. I said, I'm not going to debate with you. Then he says, well, I'm, I'm actually a Calvinist now. Finally, he came and he, I said, listen, where are you getting all this? He said, well, I was over talking to so-and-so and they said this, thus, and thus about the Bible. And he said, I realized I didn't think that way. He says, so I went home and went to Google and said, I'm not this, what am I? I said, oh, so you're like the Bereans. He said, yeah, I'm like the Bereans. I said, yeah, you received the word and then went to Google and searched Google daily to see if those things were so. I don't think I've ever been so close to being hit <laughs> as I was at that moment. But it was truth. People aren't, they don't tolerate truth. They don't tolerate the Word of God. They don't want to go through the Bible and read it. 
I've got young pastor friends and come to our area and they're pastoring churches and they have a stack of books by all these guys. And I'm not against all the men that they're reading. But you know what they're doing? They don't have the stamina, desire, or whatever it takes to open the Word of God and study it and, and, and leaf through its pages and read over it and pray over it. They want instantaneous. We're in an instant society, aren't we? Reminds me of a story of a guy who'd been in another country somewhere and he, he heard about America and all the things that we have, all the amazing things that make life easier. He came and went through the store and he came to a place said, he came to a place said, powdered milk, you just add water and you got milk. Went on down a little bit and he found some powdered potatoes, mashed potatoes. All you do is add water, they're powdered mashed potatoes. He was amazed already. Then he walked down another aisle, he grabbed a bottle and look, he said, baby powder, no way. But it's an instant society. We want it right now. And they don't have what it takes to look in the Word of God, to study these things, and to read day to day the Word of God. That's the alert. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 4, 1, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, and in latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Listen, I'm not telling you rejoice when people leave the church, but it's going to happen. Don't think, listen... The tendency for me always was to think the pastor's not trying hard enough. We had a guy come to our church, good man, had talent, really sweet guy. We enjoyed fellowship with him. And they came for almost a year, didn't join. They were just there visiting. And eventually they decided to go off somewhere else. I had some of my men come to me and say, Preacher, why did you let him get away? I'm like, what are you talking about? You know the Lord adds to the church, not the preacher. He does as pleases him, not as pleases me or you. Who knows if that family had stayed, what kind of trouble they would have caused. I wasn't happy to see they didn't stay. I liked them. But I want God to lead. I want him to be in charge of what's going on. And so we see an alert. Number two, we see an admonition. He says in verse 14, to continue Thou, 1 Timothy 6, 12, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed good profession before many witnesses. So he says there's an admonition to continue. What, what, we ought, to, what ought we to continue? Well, we ought to be continuing in the old paths. Isn't that what the Word of God says? Choose the old paths and walk in them. You know what the nation of Israel said? We will not walk therein. We need to walk in the old paths. We need to continue in the old-fashioned way. I can't stand it online. I always block them when I see them, their comments. Somebody will say, yeah, tell, say something about the old paths or the old-fashioned way. And without fail, there's going to be some self-proclaimed preacher that will jump on this. Oh, yeah, what are the old paths? I'm glad for the delete click key or unfriend or whatever you call that thing. That's a stress reducer to me. You're blocked, and I'll just befriend you so I can block you again. Feels good, amen. It's like you're punching the devil in the nose every time. I don't tolerate it, man. Listen, we need to continue in the things of God, continue winning souls, amen. Continue giving the gospel to people. Unfortunately, there are so many Christians who have not only have they never won a soul to Christ, they've never witnessed to a soul. 
I got folk in my church, and I'm I'm tell them all the time, preach to them, T tell someone, witness to someone. They'll come. I just don't know what to do. You can give a class. This is what you do. Here's some verses, and they still. I just don't know how. I just can't talk. You know what will unleash our tongue is when we're standing there watching the angels casting souls into the lake of fire. Then suddenly we're going to say, I wish I had said. I could have said. I should have said. There's an admonition to continue. We ought to continue to focus. He says, continue in the things. There's a focus there. Don't continue in other things that other men have come up with. I'm thankful for successful preachers. I really am. I try not to be jealous of a man who's running a thousand. I try. Pastor Dimmel, I don't know if you are, you, you struggle with these things, but sometimes I'm like, how can that place over there be running three and four hundred? And I'm within spitting distance, and sometimes I try. I'm just joking, I don't do that. I'm not that mean. And I'm like, I can't get, get that many. I'm thankful for success. I'm thankful. I don't know what's going on there. That's between him and God and that church and God. But what I've got to stop doing is focusing on all of that and focus on what God's given me to do. God did not call me to pastor the Internet. And I, I've tried. Because I'm a typical preacher. So I've gone on there and I've tried to put up videos and Bible studies and this, that, or the other. I, I've, you know what I need to focus on? That little congregation God's given me. It's my focus. Instead of trying to focus on all the things that the, the world gives me to distract me, I want to focus on that. I don't want to focus on the news. I don't want to focus on politics. When uh, in 2020, when COVID came up and uh, there was a lot of division, a lot of churches completely were destroyed over COVID. Did you realize that? And so we, even in our church, we had that group that said, I can't believe all these idiots with masks on their face driving in the car all by themselves. Well, I did it a couple of times. I forgot it was on my face. And honestly, in the winter, it felt kind of nice. Right? Then you have that other crowd says, oh, I got to wear my mask. And they come into church with their mask on and they're sitting over there by themselves. And if anybody sits, you know, within three uh, chairs of them, they're all like nervous. So you had this crowd over here that was ultra confident. They don't mind dying. And then this crowd over here that was like, I'm not sure I might get, I might die. What if they're right? And what, what the devil did was started pitting that crowd. And I'm not pointing to this side because of anything. You don't understand that. <laughs> Amen. This is the good crowd because the preacher's on this side, both of them. I'm just joking. This side in the middle can't decide yet. They ain't decided what they are. But <laughs> I'm just teasing. But the devil was using that in our church. They were firing at one another. And I went to the Word of God. I said, God, help me. Show me what to do. And he took me to that passage in Romans. talks about if you have faith, have it yourself. Some people, they, they lift up days above, the, above other days. Some people don't have problem eating meat. They don't think about where it came from. Others do. But if you have faith, have it to yourself. Who are you to judge another man's servant? Have faith to yourself. Focus on what is yours to deal with. My mom had a little saying. I, man, I love again, Brother Humphrey. I can't even remember his little thing this morning. We were in prayer and he said something about uh, mind my own knitting or something like that. Is that what you said? 
I never heard that when my mom always said, sweep your own back doorstep. You know what that means? You make sure your stuff's dealt with. Amen. That's the same as that one, I think. I've never knitted, so I'm not real sure. Actually, I want to see Brother Humphrey knit. That's something else I want to, another goal in life. Yeah, make sure your life is right. Focus on you. Do you get up every morning and take the Word of God and say, Lord, show me myself and open the mirror. Let Him show you what you are and what you need. Focus. Listen, continue in these things. There's also an admonition here to continue to be firm. He said those things that you are assured of, going back to our text here in 2 Timothy in chapter number 3 and verse 13 and 14. But continue in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of. There is a firmness there. There is a confidence. Do not let the situations around us shake our faith in what we know. Every now and then you ought to take your Bible and just go back through and make a list of the things you know. The Apostle Paul even struggled with this. He had flesh just like we do. And one day he sat down and he penned these words. I know whom I have believed in and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. And some of you are like, the Apostle Paul wrote that hymn? Didn't know that was in the Bible, did you? Right? Yeah, he wrote it. He would focus himself at times when things around him begin to cause his mind to lose focus and he began to be unsure and, and he was confused. He said, listen, I just got to get back to the simplicity that is Christ. And that's what he would do. That, by the way, is another Bible verse. He says to continue, continue thou to focus, continue to be firm, continue to follow. He says... Continue thou in the things thou hast heard and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Continue to follow those who God has given you to follow. I don't know Ray Comfort. I don't know Joel Osteen. Some of you are like, I don't know Ray Comfort either. Some of you are like, oh, he's my buddy. I love Ray Comfort. You might, but he is not the one you're to follow. You don't have an internet pastor. You have a real pastor, a flesh and blood man God has given you. God's word has, God has designed that we be in a body and we be subject to those he has placed over us in the Lord that we may follow them. Continue in that. Don't say, well, my pastor, he's nice. I like him. He's cool. But man, Ray Comfort, that guy, whoo, I like watching. He goes out in the street and he makes people look like idiots. Well, I've made people look like idiots before too. Pulled out in front of a guy and he went across the field. He looked like an idiot. <laughs> so there. We can all make people look like idiots. But what I'm saying is this is your pastor. You do not follow people out there. You do not say, well, I, I, and listen, some of them may be good men. I love Brother Sargent. But he's not your pastor. I love Brother McCandless. He's not your pastor. I love all these men. Brother Tom Smith, one of my favorite preachers ever. I love these men, but they're not your pastor. You follow your pastor. The men God has given you in your life. That is what He has told us whose faith follow, knowing the end of their conversation. 
Then in verse 15, we see here an assurance. We've seen an alert, an admonition. Now we see an assurance in verse 15. That from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. There is an assurance in the Word of God. They are known, they are assured to us because of their propagation. Of whom? Uh, in uh, the, the case of Timothy and, and others, they were taught from children, from their mother, grandmother, and others that they taught them. Listen, young people, don't listen to me. Children, listen. Look at me for a minute, okay? If you're asleep, wake up just a moment. Trust mom and dad. There's going to come a day, and right now you're like, well, of course, there's going to come a day you're going to be a teenager and you're going to think you know more than mom and dad do. They're going to tell you you don't need to be around so-and-so. You don't need to hang out with them. And it may be a family member. By the way, how many of you have heard of Amnon in the Bible? Amnon had a friend named Jonadab. Remember that? Jonadab encouraged Amnon to fall into sin, which brought about death and murder in his family. But did you know not only was Jonadab Amnon's friend, Jonadab was also Amnon's cousin. And sometimes I've had the hardest time getting families to understand this. There are times you cannot let your children be around their cousins. You'd be much better off if they never knew them. Well, blood's thicker than water. My family's a thing. I'm going to stand on that. Well, you go ahead and you're going to be standing against God. Because you see it again and again in the Bible where God said, you may have to leave your family to follow me. There's an assurance. We know who has taught us these things. Our parents have raised us in the things of God. Don't leave that. Don't begin to look around and think, oh, that looks better, or that looks nice, or they look like they're having fun, or they're not as strict over there, but they still serve Jesus. You watch out, you're going to get yourself in a big mess. Continue to follow those people you trust. They love you. They care for you. And above all of that, God has placed them in your life for a reason. Have you ever thought about that? Why was I born to this family? Brother Dimmel, I can tell your kids believe that. They're like, why was I born in this family? I'm, every child in here at one point in your life, every adult too, is like, I wish I had a different dad. One time there was these kids, I don't remember, I think it was in Mexico. I can't remember. But I, I love kids. I, I always wanted children. We weren't able to have them, but now we've got a whole church full of them. But this little kid came to me and said, one time he said, I wish you were my dad. And it broke my heart at one point. And then at the other point I'm like, but you've got a dad. And I took that opportunity and I said, listen to me. God gave you a dad. You better love him. You better honor him because the word of God says, honor thy father and thy mother. And that's the first commandment with promise. Honor your parents. You say, well, my parents aren't in church. You can honor them. They don't have to be in church to be honored. Amen. I'm not going more with that. That's not the message this morning. But follow those things because we know who we've heard them of. They're a reliable source. This man of God and that man of God are reliable sources. If I've said anything this week he has to fix after I leave, you believe him over me. Amen? He's your pastor. Follow the man of God. 
We have a problem in America today where people are casting off human leadership. Well, I just don't trust people. That's okay. Trust God. He said, trust this one. You trust them. You honor them. That's what the Bible says. But also not just because of the propagation of these things, but also their proof. He said, from a child, you've been able to watch from a child these things are true. You've been able to see what God does with His Word. You've been able to watch truth grow in, in people's life and change people's lives. What a tremendous truth, amen? There is proof for what the Bible says. Now listen, we ought to take God's Word without proof, correct? I, those bumper stickers, you say, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. You ought to just scratch that out, thing out about I believe it. God said it, that settles it. It doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. We don't, listen, we don't need proof to believe this book. Right? But God has given us proof anyway. We can observe the effect the Word of God has on others and these things has on others. So continue in them. But then also we see their producer. We have the assurance in these things because of their producer. It's the Holy Scriptures. The Bible has produced these things that we are to continue in. According to verse number 14, look here in our text. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. It's in this book. You follow it. You continue in it. We have been assured because of their producer. We are living in a world again where people and the devil is trying to make people doubt this book. And we need to drill it and drill it and drill it. You can't say it enough into people's heads. This is God's word. It's infallible. It is perfect. It is preserved for us. We can trust it. And all these people out there that say, well, this is a problem, that wasn't translated right, all they're doing is bringing doubt just like the devil did to Eve. Yea, hath God said. Say, preacher, maybe you're wrong. Well, even if I am, when I get to heaven, at least I had something I was standing on beside my intellect. Amen? I can count on God's word. There is a security there because it is produced by God. It is not given by man. Verse 16 said, all scripture, all scripture, all scripture. Maybe you ought to underline all is given by inspiration of God. And we can take each section of that verse and add all scripture in front of it. All Scripture is profitable for doctrine. All Scripture is profitable for, is given for reproof. All Scripture is given for correction. All Scripture is given for instruction in righteousness. Amen? We can count on it. We can believe it because it's God's Word, not because a man said it. There's some great men. There's some really wise men. I think your pastor is a wise man. I think uh, Brother um, uh, Gene's a good man, a wise man. Absolutely. But their word is not what we're standing on. We're standing on God's word. Amen? And when we get that messed up and we begin to look at a man, we're in danger of falling. You understand that balance there? I always teach this to my church. If you don't mind preaching, I'm going to take a second and do it. The, uh, you can fix it later. There's an extreme. There's, it's like we're looking at a line here. There's an extreme over here. 
There's an extreme over here. Let's take the pastor, for example. Uh, we ought to be in the middle. We ought to honor and respect him, follow him as he follows the Lord. Then you got people on that end. They don't trust anybody. They don't believe in any kind of authority on earth. No man at all cares and don't have anything to do or say to me. And we might be over here because we're taught that and it's preached to us. We trust our pastor. We follow him. Everything's great. And one day our pastor says or does something, hurts us, offends us. The pastor maybe even falls into sin. It's happened in many churches. I've had people in our church, came from a church with a pastor embezzled $300,000 from the church. It happens. And those folk, I've worked with them and tried to help them, and many of them have been helped, thank God, but they went from this extreme all the way over here to this extreme. They didn't, they, they passed go. They, they went to this end now. Now they don't trust any preacher. No, but you know what? We're just going to stay home and have home church. You be careful for that crowd. I'm the priest of this home. We don't need no pastor. Yes, you do. God says you need a pastor. You need a pastor. Unless you're stuck in a village somewhere, which isn't likely in our country, when there's churches on almost every corner. But unless you're so far from a place you can't get out to it, you need to be in a church. Amen? That's the Bible. Amen. First Thessalonians 2.13, for this cause also we thank God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as in truth. The word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. We were talking this week about the verse that talks about the Bereans. They were more noble than those in Thessalonica because they went and searched scriptures daily to see which things are, or to see if those things were so. Let's understand what that, that passage is saying. First of all, he said they received the word with all readiness of heart. So they're not approaching the church and the pastor like this. Let's see what kind of idiot thing he says today. Let's see what I can catch him on. Oh, I bet, I bet you he's going to say something wrong. I can't wait to find it. No, that is not to be our attitude. Our attitude is to come and sit in the house of God and say, Preacher, feed me like the little birds in an ass. Tweet, tweet, tweet. Open their mouth. Are you teachable? They receive the word with all readiness of heart. They didn't receive it with, receive it with doubt. They didn't receive it with uncertainty. They received it with readiness of heart. Then... They went home and searched the scriptures daily. You see the difference in attitude? Some people use that verse to prove, as proof text, the attitude ought to be, you don't trust that preacher. You just go home and make sure he's right because he's probably wrong. No. Until you have a reason to doubt the man of God, you better listen. Yeah. Amen. I don't know, man. We're, we're having a good time. I, I am. Number three or four, whatever it is we're on, A, B, or C or something. In verse 16, so we've seen an alert, we've seen an admonition, we've seen an assurance, but number 16, we see an assessment. All Scripture. We've already talked about this, so I'm not going to stay on it. We're just going to give you the outline and move on. We see the scope, all. We see the source, God. And we see the significance. It's good for doctrine, Reproof, reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness. And then lastly, I see in verse 17, there's an aspiration. 
In verse 17, he says that the man of God. This is our hope. If we continue, when we say man of God, we generally think of Brother Humphrey, don't we? Think that's the man of God. We think of Brother George, that's the man of God. But do you realize all of you that are saved are men of God? That the man of God may be perfect. That word means completed. You think that's impossible. Not according to the word of God, it's not. If we were to get a house, we said, we're going to build a house. We, we took all the material, we bought all the materials and had them laid on a piece of land. And they just sat there for a year or longer. Is that a house? No. It needs to be constructed. One thing needs to be on the other. The Bible says line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. You don't start with a roof. I mean, I'm not a builder, but I have helped in construction a few times. And even if I hadn't, I know better than to think you're just going to suspend a roof in the air. You don't start there. You start with a foundation. Right? And so the aspiration is that the hope is that we begin and we begin to grow by applying these things that are certain from the Word of God. That if we continue, instead of getting weary at seeing what is going to happen, what is supposed to happen according to the Word of God, He has already verified wicked men and seducers will wax worse and worse. So instead of getting distracted by that, throwing in the towel and say, what's the use? No, continue thou. Continue to raise your children in the house of God. Continue to teach them the word of God. Continue to let them grow in the things of God. And the hope is that you will lay a solid foundation. The Bible says train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he will not depart from it. Had a situation one time where a family, their, one of their children got out into the world. Went to college and ended up being pulled away by people in college. And his parents and others came to me questioning, and I understand, wondering about the Word of God where he says, train up a child in the way he should go. And some of the other members said, Preacher, we know this family. They're an outstanding family. They did everything right. And I said, how do you know? Did you live with them? Did you go in their home every night and see them have devotions with their children? Did, were you there when they took their children upon their knee and read the Bible to them every day? Were you there when daddy gathered his children around and prayed and wept over them? Were you there? Did you see that? Well, no, but we see them in church. Anybody can put on a show. All it takes is a few hours, put on a tie and smile and sing pretty. Amen? But what's going on behind closed doors will one day be revealed to everybody. That's frightening, isn't it? So you better do it right. Lay that foundation. Don't worry about what else is going on, what all is happening in the world. Forget all that. Don't worry too much about politics. Yes, you want to vote. Yeah, you want to be... I understand all that. But understand it's probably not going to go our way. Because wicked men and seducers will wax worse and worse. Well, then what do we do? We continue. We keep getting up every day and taking this true word that is proven over and over and over what it is. 
And we keep reading it. We keep teaching it to our children. We keep believing. We keep coming to the house of God. We keep giving to the Lord's work. We keep giving to missions. We keep doing what we're doing. Because there is a hope. The hope is not in this world. There are three things I want to say about the aspiration and then we'll be done. Number one. There's an aspiration of consent that the man of God, a person will give themselves wholly to God and let him work and do things in their life. Then there's that aspiration of completion that that person will be perfect. They'll grow up into a mature man of God. Then there's the aspiration of crowning. One day we'll stand before God. We'll be able to be there in front of him and have the chance to hear him say, well done. I often wonder, though, how many Christians are actually going to hear that said. I think a lot of Christians in their mind believe it is a given because we've heard it preached so much. Oh, I get to heaven and hear him say, well done. What if you don't hear that? I don't think he gives out rewards for no reason at all. God is a just and righteous God. He says, you will not be crowned except ye strive lawfully. Pay attention to the details in your Christian life. There's a book, and I, I'm not going to tell you the book. You can ask your pastor. He, I think he knows the, the man who wrote it. But it talks about why we have standards. Standards are not, in our mind, the achievement of holiness. Standards are the tool we use to achieve holiness. To live a daily sanctified life for the Lord. You say, preacher, you think it's a sin to walk into a bar? No. But there are standards I set. I appreciated Mike Pence. When he was vice president, it came out that he would not go out to dinner with another woman, not his wife, without his wife being there present. People mocked him. What an idiot. <laughs> you got to sometimes go with these ladies. You know, it's, just, it's not a big deal. It's just dinner. No, he set a standard in his life because he was wise and did not trust himself. I've heard parents say, well, I don't, I don't worry about my kids. I let them run around with whoever because I trust my kids. You are dumb. Why would you trust your kids? You know what that is? I'll tell you why we do that is pride. Because we have a lot more confidence in our abilities than we ought to. And we don't think the devil's trying to get them. The devil's after them. You were given the same wicked children everybody else was given. We have a crowning if we stay at it. If we're able to do this and able to do what God calls us to do. 90, Psalm 93 and 5 says, Thy testimonies are very true. Holiness becometh thine house, O Lord, forever. The word becometh means beautifies. There's also a verse that talks about the beauty of holiness. I used to read that and think it was the beauty of His holiness. It doesn't say that. It says the beauty of holiness 
Holiness is beautiful. And so there's that hope, that hope that we can build a life that would honor God and whatever sacrifice I have to make to do that, I'm willing to do it. Because my aspiration is when I stand before God, I get to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I'm not going to assume that. I'm one guy, I don't know, some of you may be thinking, I'm going to, I know I'm going to hear it. I'm not going to assume that. I'm not going to stand here before you and say, I'm 100% sure I'm going to hear him say, well done. Number one, it ain't over yet. I'm preaching this morning. But where am I going to be in two years? The Bible says, you say, well, preacher, what kind of preacher are you? The kind that believes the Bible. And he says, if a man thinks he stands, let him take heed lest he fall. My hope, my aspiration is that if we continue in these things, one day we're going to receive a crown in heaven. What a joy that's going to be. To be able to cast those crowns at the feet of Jesus. Be able to say, thank you, Lord. Because whatever was done, it was of you. And all we are, are unprofitable servants. Father in heaven, thank you for the opportunity this morning to be in your house. Lord, it is a great privilege and honor to be able to preach the word of God. And Lord, I just ask that you would take something that was said. Lord, maybe a scripture that was read and impress it upon some hearts here this morning. And God, that if there's anything that will be accomplished and done, it will be through you. And Lord, we'll thank you for all you do in Jesus' name. Amen.